You know, I, I think back to your career and that, you know, magical 2014 season you guys had. What was going through your through your mind when you saw JT go down? Yeah, I was definitely ready and prepared for that moment. I think our coaching staff, Tom Herman, I give him a lot of credit. Urban Meyer, I give those guys a lot of credit because they prepared us for those situations where if one guy go down, next man up mentality. The current college football playoff situation. Uh, because the the situation on paper is similar to that year in 2014 we just talked about uh, regarding Florida State. You know, they lose their starting quarterback. Give me your perspective on that. What do you think about, did the committee get it right? Did they get it wrong? And how does your personal experience impact how you feel about it? I think my personal experience is I'm going to be a little biased to it. Yeah. I think um, Florida State did everything right to lead up until this point of um, – you know, win all your games, win, win your conference game, even though, you know, that's almost been the formula to get into the college football playoffs for a power five uh, team. But it's always a curveball in there. It's yeah. always a rebuttal. It's always an asterisk of saying, OK, but if this happens, I think what really ultimately hurt them. Do I think they deserve a chance to be in the college football playoff? On paper, yes. But when you see them play, pro- probably not. Losing to Michigan a few years in a row, obviously Ohio State fans aren't going to be happy. And, uh, you know, Ryan Day has had so much success there in, in that program. I, what, what do you think Ryan Day's, uh, you know, I don't want to say what his future looks like, because I think some of that talk is like, you know, that the hot seat talk can be a little rah-rah sometimes. But at some point, like Ohio State fans want you to beat Michigan. I guess what, what's your take on the state of the program? What's up, guys? Welcome into the next uh, podcast. I'm Adam Brenneman. Awesome episode for you today. It's a guy I've wanted to have one for a long time. Former Ohio State and NFL quarterback Cardell Jones. Man, there's a lot this guy is known for. He's on television now, but had a great career at Ohio State. Led Ohio State to a national championship in 2014. Has the famous, uh, I ain't, I ain't come here to play no school tweet. Uh, he, he's been a, a big name in football, college football, NFL for a long time. So it's also great timing because Cardell Jones led Ohio State to a national championship after JT Barrett got hurt in 2014. Similar situation to Florida State currently. Florida State missing the playoff, obviously. He has a unique perspective on that. Also going to talk to him about Ryan Day, at a head coach at Ohio State, his situation, where Ryan Day is at. Is he on the hot seat? Is he not? What needs to happen in the future at Ohio State? He also tells some awesome Urban Meyer stories. So you guys are going to love this episode. Before we get there, please, one, support our sponsors on this show. Uh, supporting them supports me, supports the show, allows me to put this on at a high level and have the best guests in the country on here. Uh, also, please like, subscribe, comment, whether you're on YouTube, Ang- uh, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, wherever. Uh, share this podcast, press the like button, throw a comment, uh, rate it if you're listening on audio, post it on social media, and follow on social media, at Next Up With Adam, my personal social media, at Adam Brenneman, and at Adam Brenneman 81. Uh, your support means the world to me. Uh, the, doing this podcast all football season, all off season has been really awesome. And, and it's a humbling experience when I go travel places and people come up to me and talk about the podcast and having coaches on. Uh, it, it's really, really cool. So I appreciate everyone's support. Let's go talk to Cardell Jones. What's up, guys? It's Adam Brenneman. It's now holiday season. You guys are looking for gifts. I'm telling you right now, check out our merch store. We have super high quality merch. My favorite is this college football tee. If you're a college football fan, you need this thing. We have college basketball tees, tons of merch for college sports fans. Use the code ADAMB15 for 15% off at checkout. Go get some college football merch and check out our other styles today. Next cool. We'll get rolling, man. Well, I appreciate you joining. Um, I've been I've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a long time, man. Just all, all your experience in college football. But I felt like now was like a perfect time with uh, yeah. everything going on at Ohio State, the playoff, your career. Um, but how you doing, man? How, how's, uh, how's everything been? Good, man. I can't complain, man. Just, um, you know, indulging these new opportunities in life. And as life after football continue to, um, you know, uh, develop and uh, trying to find my niche in this world, I guess, and still staying close to the athletic world with some of the things I'm doing. But big fan of the show, first and foremost, and clearly followed you through the things you was able to do through your career. So I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Appreciate it, man. So what what, uh, I, I saw you were doing some TV stuff this season, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I became an analyst with CBS Sports. So yeah. I had some cool opportunities to be up there in the studio with um, with a, a great host of guys um, and, and people that I admired from afar and they respected in that media world. And it was pretty cool to see the behind the scenes stuff of the production and really dive into how everything comes together. 
yeah. and how much um, time, effort, and energy these guys put into really being some of the best, um, respectively, in their fields of what they do on a week in and week out basis. Yeah. Man, I'll never forget my first uh, my first TV experience. I'll, uh, I want to hear what, what yours was like. Remember when, with the producer talking in your ear for the first time? Like I, I was I was calling a game, and I remember first game. I I just never never had had to talk with someone talking to you while you're talking. That's tough. And 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 I, I remember I remember I he said a word. He said something to me. He's like, "Hey, Adam." Uh, you know, going to show you a replay here. And I, and I responded to him. I was like, got it. I said, okay, thank you to him. But I'm like live on TV, right? <laughs> yeah, like, about TV. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But what was your experience <laughs> like on, because yeah, I think you were, you were in studio, right? Doing it with CBS? Yeah, I was in studio every time. And like, yeah. you know, we still have a lot of that with it, with the producers in the ear, just maybe um, giving you kind of a, a five second mark or a, a wrap it up mark or extended mark. Uh, I think the biggest thing, what I struggled with in the beginning, I think our first show and I had like Friday and Saturday shows, so I had a quick turnaround. <laughs> was thinking that I didn't have enough time. Like I would have my talking points for maybe the topic or two I want to hit, and I look at it, and it's probably a page and a half long. And I'm thinking like I got to read it word for word, yeah. or like it's going to take me so long to get through this. I don't want to take up everybody else's time because they got their points to hit, especially when I was first. Or last, and I had to wrap it up. Or first, I don't want to take too much time for those guys. And I'm like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. so I was talking so freaking fast. Hey guys, like, and the guys were great, man. Uh, Kevin Carter, Danny Cannell, um, Brent Stover, um, Christian, like those guys were unbelievable, giving me tips and tricks. I'm like, dude, you got way more time than you think. You know, I know on the, you know, on the sheet it may say. 30 seconds, but trust me, that 30 seconds is like a lifetime up there. And then, you know, so that was my first one. Then I think the toughest part was um, trying to feel like you're trying to get through everything because usually producers are wrapping you up. But we got to a point where I was the last guy talking and we still had like a minute left in the show. And it's like, yeah, cardio extended. I'm like, oh, I'm thinking I already hit all my points. So (laughs) that was great. But like the guys are unreal of just – picking up the slack or really reiterating some things or making a conversation, a strict dialogue and making it a lot easier to engage with. Yeah. That's awesome. Man. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I get to see you some. So I, I call games for CBS on CBS sports network. So you were probably doing some of the, some of the, like the, the shows lean into my games sometimes. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I got this yeah. Yeah. stuff. Um, well, cool. I, I want to, there's a bunch I want to talk to you about, but I want to, I want to start with your, your playing career. And, uh, I was thinking of what I wanted to ask you. And I feel like of all, all the, uh, success you had in your playing career, the championship, what was the one moment, the one moment in time you look back on your career, that was the coolest moment, uh, of, uh, of your playing career? You know, I think, um, honestly, my, uh, first touchdown and my first time getting some reps and then we played against FAMU, mop up duty. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's my red shirt freshman year, had opportunity to run a touchdown in. And then I think the joy that I got and the praise that I got from my teammates up until that point, my career was the emotional roller coaster, physical roller coaster, up and down battle. Um, within yourself, you know how it is playing yeah. at a um, you know a major university where everyone around you is good and you know they demand excellence every day. Yeah. Um, but to see the response from my teammates in the game, like you, you'd have thought I won the game with a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it was like seventy something zero in this game. But um, I think that really sticks out to me the most because it was like okay, this small piece of success that I had in a game that had no value to none of us at that point. I mean, we was beating them 70 something zero and to see the way my teammates responded and how happy they were for me. uh, It just put things in perspective for me. It was like, okay, well they see the hard work. They see the dedication. They see me getting my freaking head knocked off and scout team, you know, trying to give the best looks and kind of give the best reps as possible to help our defense get ready. And, you know, sometimes you feel like that stuff is overlooked. Or sometimes you feel like yeah. like you're not getting credit for the little things you're doing because it's not translate it's not transitioning to playing time, it's not transitioning to the coaches giving you praise. But I said I just had this story, I just had this conversation with a buddy yesterday about all these guys up in the portal. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, you know, I never was a I play harder for a coach guy. Yeah. The coach isn't going through mat drills. 
the coach yeah. isn't out there blocking for me or, you know, catching the ball. It was always about my guys who I developed the relationships with, the guys I got close with through recruiting. So yeah. to see those guys really um, – how emotional, how happy they were for me for that small piece of success I had. I think that was really the coolest part of my career at Ohio State. And really, I think my athletic career overall, because, you know, I was at a point where I'm just thinking that I was getting overlooked. I was probably going to get recruited past, which I eventually, I really did get recruited past. Um, But to hear and to feel that joy um, from those guys, it mean the world to me. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by Ekron Athletics. Listen, you guys know I was an injury-prone player during my playing career. Felt like I was hurt having surgery every other season. Looking back on it, I wasn't recovering the right way. So now in my post-playing career, I made it a mission to figure out how to recover best. And that's when I found Ekron Athletics. Their B37S percussion massage gun, this thing right here, has changed the way I recover after big workouts. I wish I had this thing when I was playing. It was named the best overall massage gun by GQ, Sports Illustrator, and other trusted publications. I'm telling you, Every player and athlete out there should be using this thing to recover after workouts and games and to get loose before games and practices. And even if you're not playing sports and using it before the gym and after the gym, I use it when I'm sitting at home watching college football every Saturday. I mean, this thing is beautiful. I love it. I take it with me everywhere I go, even on the road when I travel. Oh, and the B37S massage gun is not just about a quick fix. It's got a long battery life and it comes with a lifetime warranty guaranteeing this thing lasts much longer than my football career did. Whether you're a current athlete, a former athlete, or just an everyday person trying to stay in shape, you need to try the B37S percussion gun from Ekron Athletics. Go to EkronAthletics.com today and start recovering faster and moving easier. That's Ekron Athletics and use promo code NEXTUP for 25% off your purchase. That's E-K-R-I-N Athletics.com with promo code NEXTUP for 25% off your purchase. You know, I, I think back to your career and that, you know, magical 2014 season you guys had and, uh, you know that 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 moment in I forget what game it was, but it was it was at the end of the season when J, JT Barrett goes down and you come in yeah, Michigan game uh, yeah. Michigan yeah. What was going through your through your mind when you saw JT go down and it was such a pivotal point in the season, right? And you guys were playing so well and you had to go run out there and and you know become the full time starter. What, what was going through your mind? Was there did you feel like you were prepared for that moment? Because that was that was just your second season, right, at, at Ohio State. Yeah, that was that was my retro sophomore, so retro that was my sophomore, third yeah. season. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, at at that moment, I mean, me and JT were still so close. It was just the betterment of my guy. Like, it's my dog. Yeah. Like, and, you know, earlier that year, you know, he had a tough game versus the Nippy Lions where he was banged up and, you know, I think he ended up tearing his meniscus, but yeah. still finished the game. So, and the way he finished the game uh, was unreal as far as the two rushing touchdowns in overtime. But when he's down, he's down. It's like, he's not one of those guys that's down for a second. Got to yeah, get the crowd, right clap him up. <laughs> and then he's going to run back out on the field. Like yeah. all this new era of, of things that these athletes <laughs> are doing in all these sports. He ain't that type of guy. Mm-hmm. So if he's down, he's down. And then and, and the story um, has it that when he was down, I think the first guy who ran up to him was a guy, Evan uh, Spencer, who was one of our receivers. And he was trying to get up. And Evan looked at his leg like, oh, no, uh-uh. <laughs> you can't get up with us. <laughs> so he's a tough guy. But, yeah, I was definitely ready and prepared for that moment. I think our coaching staff, Tom Herman, I give him a lot of credit. Urban Meyer, I give those guys a lot of credit because they prepared us for those situations where if one guy go down, next man up mentality. You know, we yeah. would have periods in practice when it was good on good, winner loser days, where he would just scream out, hey, the left tackle – got equipment malfunction and we got to get his backup in for one play. <laughs> and now can you imagine being a backup left tackle in a third and six, and you know, it's a passing situation. You got to block yeah. Joey Bosa in practice. So yeah. if you're not ready for those moments. If you're not preparing, I don't know. First and foremost, I don't know what tackle will be ready for that moment. Yeah. But if you're not physically ready and putting yourself in those mindsets, your time can happen. Any, any given time, your, it can be your time and really preparing like a starter at all positions, I think once that time happens, you are you won't be able to take advantage of it. You won't be able to capitalize on the opportunity. So, um, but I always didn't think like that. Clearly, I always didn't think like that. I, it, it took the middle of the season where Coach Herman, our office coordinator, quarterback coach at the time, really helped change my mindset on just preparing like a starter. Yeah, you, you just mentioned Urban Meyer. I got it. What's your best Urban Meyer story? You got to give me something good. <laughs> Oh, man. 
I'm sure you, know you got what? a lot of them. <laughs> Listen, I got some. I got some great Urban Meyer stories, but I'm gonna have to go with some of the few that you know when he first arrived on campus. You know, me and him got there pretty much the same day. Uh-huh. Um, you know, 2012, that winter of 2012, he was just announced as the guy. I came in from out of military school. I went into the summer, uh, winter semester, well, winter quarter. We were still on quarters at the time. Made me feel old. But, <laughs> you know, I had all this. I'm watching this guy on Fox, right? I think he was calling games with Fox or Big Ten Network, one or the uh-huh. other. And I saw this guy. I'm like, this is going to be cool. He seemed so great. He already got national championships. He was amazing at Florida and all this other stuff. So you got this expectation of this guy and black, you hold him on a pedestal of like, okay, he can do no wrong. And, you know, I never had an opportunity to really meet him and he didn't recruit me. Irvin didn't recruit me. The way everything transpired, he never, I never knew none of my coaches when I got on campus. I met coach Herman once. Yeah. So, I have these high praises for this guy on top of losing everybody who recruited me for the last two and a half years with Coach Trussell's staff. And he just came in that meeting room, team meeting room, and he let us have it. And I was just, I felt like this big in the back of the room, like, <laughs> oh my God, who is this guy? And it really wasn't nothing he was saying. I think just my expectations of him and then what you see on TV was completely different from his coaching style, yeah. which it makes sense now. But uh, I mean, the stories goes on with him, but you know, he came in with like, you know, his piss was on fire. Uh-huh. You know, he was ready to turn that program around. You know, I think the team finished six or seven previous year in 2011 and what he did 2012 into his time at Ohio state is nothing less than uh, a miracle, nothing less than magical. I mean, we go from six to seven to 12 and zero, and, and was really, um, you know, had an opportunity to potentially pay for the BCS championship, but we was under sanctions and stuff. Yeah. But to turn that team to a 12 and 0 team, you know, in freaking six months, nine months was just unreal. It was the exact same team and limited scholarships and stuff. Yeah. So um, I think it's just a testament to all of us actually buying into what he was selling at the time, too. And I mean, this was a guy that coming, his formula was already proven that it works. It wasn't like he was throwing something against the wall and hoping it, and it sticks. Yeah. Well, what what was he saying in that first team meeting? What, Man, it was, was like, coming you know, at you it guys. Was, it was so many um, motivational f bombs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this, and honestly, I think, I think that that was a, a different experience. Honestly, I mean, it wasn't a bad experience; just different. It made you. It, he he commanded the room just like that. Yeah, and that's what I loved about him because no matter what room he was in, he was going to command that room, and he was going to get and earn that trust and respect out of his players. But what really surprised me to him is that he put everybody on notice from the coaching yeah. staff that he brought in himself to the players who were starters the year before. I mean, we had guys that transferred after our first week of, of working out because and guys that had significant roles in previous years in the team, mm-hmm. you know, and the guys who stuck around who ultimately made them better. We went 12 and 0. But um, I think that's what some of the things that yeah. especially how things ended for him in Jacksonville um, that get overlooked from his career. Um, no matter what you can say about him and his things that happened at Jacksonville, he still go down as number, you know, a, a top three, four college football coach of all time. Yeah. I, I, I got to ask you about um, the the current college football playoff situation uh, because the the situation on paper is similar to that year in 2014 we just talked about uh, regarding Florida State. You know they lose their starting quarterback. Um, you know and and, and uh, for your situation, you came in and lead lead Ohio State to a national title. Florida State, you know, wins the wins their conference undefeated conference champ and, and they get left out of the playoff because of their quarterback going down. Uh, give me your perspective on that. What do you think about, did the committee get it right? Did they get it wrong? And how does your personal experience impact how you feel about it? Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. I think my personal experience is I'm going to be a little biased to it. Yeah. I think um, Florida state did everything right to lead up until this point of, um, you know, win all your games, win your conference game, even though, you know, that's almost been the formula to get into the college World playoffs for a power five uh, team. But it's always a curveball in there. It's yeah. always a rebuttal. It's always an asterisk of saying, OK, but if this happens, I think what really ultimately hurt them. Do I think they deserve a chance to be in the college football playoff? on paper? Yes. But when you see them play, pro- probably not. Um, I don't think they have enough tools and skill players or, or just dynamic around them to make up for some of that lackluster plus they're going to see in the quarterback yeah. position. 
I mean, no offense to the quarterback. He's young. He's going to continue to get better. But, you know, throwing for 50 yards in a conference championship game. Um, yeah, incontinent. Probably isn't going yeah. to get a win in these top four, you know? Yeah. And then I can see if they were, like, extremely dominant on the – I think what really helped me and we was in that position was we had guys like Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Thomas, yeah. um, Curtis Samuel. Like, the list goes on on guys – who really made up for my lack of experience and my lack of play at times yeah. because I was just throwing the ball in the area. Or guess yeah. what? If I wasn't, if I was going uh, freaking 0 for 3 on passing, we can hand the ball off to a, a guy who got drafted top five running back, right? Yeah. Behind an offensive lineman who pretty much everybody got drafted except Jacoby Bourne, who decided not to play at the next level. Yeah. Um, and then our defense, our dominant. Our defense was down. I mean, the list goes on from players from the back end to the front end. So yeah. we had the talent to make up for the lack of experience in a quarterback, which I was. Yeah. And if you really take a deep dive into those three games that I had an opportunity to play, those guys made my job a lot easier. I don't think Florida State has that right now to make up the play and the lack of experience for a freshman quarterback or if the backup was healthy enough to play in these yeah. playoffs after getting out the portal. So I think that's why the committee really took them out. But on paper, they did everything right for us yeah. going undefeated and winning their conference. It just sucks that it had to go the way it did. And I think, you know, if you ask any of our coaches, you know, from that 14 season, that was in their minds, even though they never kind of installed that with us. Like, we got to win this game. We got to win this game big to make a jump, to make a push over, I think it was TCU yeah. and Baylor at the time, who unfortunately didn't have a Big 12 championship game, which ultimately cost them. Right, we had to have that lasting statement on that team on the committee to say, yeah. okay, look at this team at right now versus okay, I know Florida State is undefeated, but look at the last two games, right? Yeah. Dogfight Florida, that was an ugly game, and then a conference championship game versus Louisville wasn't the prettiest win either. Yeah, no, it surprises me. I thought your take would be a little bit more like Florida State deserves to be in, and because of kind of you guys prove that you can do it. But I, my argument all week, because I've been pretty adamant on social media that I think the committee got it right. I think Florida State had no. I, no, I ultimately, yeah, I ultimately yeah. think they got it right. But then you look at like a lot of things that we were able to do. You look at our track record. So different. Point. Yeah, we had to slip up. Yeah, yeah, it's so different. You, <laughs> yeah. I don't think you can compare. You I can't agree. Compare those two yeah, I, I've been saying that all and week, like, I, and, and, and you, <laughs> like you, you're also like I. I, I I said I just said this on a different podcast. Like the other factor is like Ohio State had you coming in as the backup quarterback, right? Like yeah. Florida State doesn't have that. It is completely different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then and I, and I totally I'm drawing a brain fart on the quarterback name guy. No, he was originally committed to Ohio State and went to go to Florida State, but he's going to be a great quarterback one day. Yeah. I don't think I don't think he's ready yet, and that team is have enough pieces around him to make a strong push for a national championship and be in the playoffs yeah. this year. Um, so, I mean, it sucks that it, it played out that way for them because I guarantee you that was a mindset when this game we in the playoffs. But, yeah. I, I unfortunately, I do think the committee got it right. Yeah. With, with all that talent you guys had when you were, you were at Ohio State, uh, you, you mentioned Bosa. I remember Bosa on a third down play, just long arming the hell out of me and, like, getting a tackle for loss. I'll never forget uh, <laughs> Coach Franklin just ripping into me. It was that 2014 <laughs> season. Um, Bosa, Zeke, you know, all that quarter – what what was the what was the freakiest thing you ever saw one of those guys do in practice? Wow, um, I think the freakiest thing I ever seen in practice don't even come from either one of those guys. A guy named Chris Carter, who was a yeah. interior defensive lineman that had to be pushing three fifty four hundred pounds, <laughs> but was crazy though. He had like less than like fifteen percent body fat. Yeah, so he was a big dude who looked good when he wanted to look good. Um, unfortunately, his career didn't take off the way that everybody expected it to. To you know how it is with mm -hmm. you know uh, some athletes sometimes. But he ran down one of our line or one of our linemen. Um, I think the two or three freakish plays was actually with Chris Carter, yeah. and I seen him take on a double team and literally <laughs> have two guys arm in arm. I'm talking about Corey Lindsey, who's yeah. a part, who is a, the freaking center for the Chargers. Um, playing, I think it was 8th, ninth, 10th year in the league. Yeah. And then I think it was Andrew Norwell, who's another guy who's down, I think, in Jacksonville, still playing for 8, 9, 10 years. Had both of these guys arm in arm, looking in the backfield, saw it was a run, threw them down and make the tackle. Yeah. And then he had plays where he's getting blocked by Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. So, like, the consistency wasn't there. But I think if I'm thinking about a, a Zeke play that was, like, ridiculously in practice, um, I would have to go with him just really – I say Ezekiel is the best player I ever played with because how hard he played without the ball and how smart he is. Yeah. Um, 
and that's and that's hard because I played with some great guys throughout my career and at the next level. But he's just a guy that understands ball. And then uh, the year in fourteen, actually, because Hackenberg was the quarterback, right? Yep, Hack. Yep. So when when Bosa some way somehow ended up on y'all running back, and he drove him to Hackenberg's oh, leg. That, for the oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he did, he yeah. did that to me in practice that following spring. Ooh. And I don't know how he beat one of our tackles or, or something like that so bad, like so fast. And our running back looked up and Bosa was in his lap, but Bosa was actually <laughs> trying to stop. He was trying to stop and he fell into the running back and Bosa somehow, some way, like kept both of us from falling. Yeah. So I think that was one of the most freakiest thing I ever seen him do outside of the way he can just bend the corner. And I mean, you had to block him a few times. So yeah. you know how freakishly strong and athletic yeah, not, he is. Not fun. But. Yeah. Yeah, not not fun, <laughs> not fun at all. Not fun at all. I can yeah. only imagine. But um, yeah, those guys, man, they were just things I love about those two guys in particular, and a lot of those guys on that team and, and guys I played with here at Ohio State is that they were perfectionists. I mean, I never, I personally never knew what time practice started um, because ninety <laughs> percent of the team were already on the field doing something. Yeah, if the other guys was the other ten percent, maybe doing something in the training room or maybe jumping in the hot tub before everybody was always doing something to get better yeah so i had i never knew like you we'd be in a full-blown sweat before walkthroughs before the warm-up yeah like because we ain't maybe did some routes on air maybe got some work in at 80 percent speed where the receive where the dbs are shadowing guys and they're working not grabbing they got their hands behind their back or they got yeah. boxing gloves on and the, and the linemen are on the sleds before practice. like it was all i never knew what time practice started yeah. Then after practice, it was the exact same thing. Yeah. It was all, everybody was always doing something. Yeah, and, and that speaks to the culture. I'm sure that Urban instilled in everyone too, right? The, just the championship culture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that next season, then too. I know I spent a lot of time in your career. I'm just interested. There's so many interesting facets to it. That next season, you guys had one of the most insane quarterback situations I think anyone's ever had. You had Braxton Miller. Pre, one of the Heisman favorites. You had uh, you had uh, you you had JT Barrett all competing in that spring ball. What what, what was that? What was that spring like uh, after you guys won the national national championship? Well, well, JT was still rehabbing his his broken ankle, yeah. and Braxton was still trying to rehab. He was still coming off a uh, rehab of his shoulder. So I remember just kind of vaguely hearing the news that Braxton uh, wouldn't play quarterback anymore just because of the injury and, yeah. and what limited it did. The surgery had this some, had some limitations to his uh, range of motion and, and JT really didn't practice again into spring. I mean, to, uh, to fall ball, but knowing that this competition was waiting on me in fall ball, I think I wanted to get as many reps, as much experience under my belt, as possible to go into this battle prepared because yeah. yeah these two guys are coming off injuries but these guys got a lot of football under their belt and it, to be honest they fit this offense a lot better than I do yeah right um especially with the departure of Tom Herman who was our coordinator at the time you know coming into a new coach um Tim Beck um I think Ed, Ed Warner took over the uh, play calling style so I felt like I needed to get as many reps as possible, develop these relationships with these new play callers, this new coach, to give me that slight edge when these guys get back healthy. Because at the end of the day, I wasn't Urban Meyer's recruit. Yeah. So in the back of my mind, I always felt as if I had to play perfect for him not to put his guys back in. Yeah. And no offense to that mindset, but these also were guys that was more than capable enough to get wins as well. Yeah. So – I'm just like, I put so much pressure on myself. And I think um, the way the coaches went about it as well, they wanted that kind of, I want to say, competition throughout the season, which I didn't agree with, um, where it kind of, it ultimately didn't get us the goals that we wanted. And it didn't get us the performance that we was looking to have individually to ultimately help the team. Yeah. Before we get back to the pod, we got to talk about something super important. Fellas, I know you guys are using those sharp razors to shave your face and to shave your manly areas. I'm telling you, stop doing it. I was in your shoes. I was using regular razors and then I found Manscaped. Manscaped sponsored the pod a few months ago and I started using their products. It has changed my routine and my life completely. I told you before about smooth sack summer. It's now fresh ball fall. You need fresh balls in the fall. There's no excuse 
not to be fresh. Let's be honest. We both know we go in a little bit nervous to our manly grooming routine with the regular old razors we use, but with Manscaped, it takes away any feeling of being nervous. I use the lawnmower 4.0 when I'm doing my manly grooming. I use the beard hedger for my face and the reviews have been immaculate. Just take my word on that one, boys. So I'm telling you, if you're using regular old razors, stop and use Manscaped and you can go to manscaped.com and use my code ADAMB for 20% off and free shipping. I'm telling you guys, it's fresh ball fall. Using Manscaped will change your routine, change your manlyhood and change your life. Manscaped.com, promo code ADAMB for 20% off and free shipping. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I want to ask you about the current situation at Ohio State with uh, with Ryan Day, and I'm sure you've gotten to know Coach Day a little bit, being around the program, and uh, yeah. obviously Common Court entering the portal. What what do you think is the solution moving forward at quarterback for Ohio State? Um, I think for this upcoming season, I think they are going to go after a guy in the portal. I think yeah. with you look at the talent around that team. Um, you look at guys like Emeka Buka, who most likely will return. Yeah. Um, you look at those linemen. You look at that running back position. You look at those defensive guys. Those guys, I think Ohio State is in a position where they have to win now. Yeah. And they can still develop these young guys. They got some great young quarterbacks in Devin Brown and Lincoln. And Aaron Nolan is coming here next year. Yeah. Well, in, next month. And then you got all those star-studded young receivers and all those star-studded young DBs. So those guys have time to get into those roles but we're talking about making the best out of guys like you know like i said a mecca buka right travion henderson he, yeah. he may come back another year and then all those guys on defense as well they are in position to win now and i think the missing piece with kyle mccourt leaving clearly it's the quarterback position so yeah. i would love to see them have a guy i mean if they're if they see someone one of these young guys that's amazing um, that's great if they're going through this spring or this bowl practice and spring ball where they feel comfortable enough to let a guy, a young guy, take the show over. Um, but I would love to see them get a veteran, some type of veteran in that room. Um, I, I would love to see Cameron Ward here, 100%. you know, and, yeah. and, and come out here and kill it for a year and have an opportunity to go in the lead. And these guys can learn behind a guy who's been a two-year, three-year, two-year starter out there at Washington State. I'm pretty sure he added a lot of volume to that uh, room. He would um, definitely share some knowledge with those young guys, can help them um, with their learning curve when their time comes. So I'm not telling the young guys to sit back and wait and just take notes. But um, you look at some of the things that potentially held that offense back this year, it was sometimes a quarterback play, and it was yeah. just experience. Yeah. It wasn't really yeah. performance. It was just really experience, and I don't think people understand that. And those type of things Kyle will learn as his career continues to develop yeah. because I just I re honestly look at it from outside looking in. I mean, from a different perspective of playing a position where I made some of the same mistakes because of experience, even though we both started in our third year, uh, made some of the same mistakes before experience. And then I, I, I noticed the same mistakes or similar mistakes C.J. Stroud was making his first year. Mm -hmm. And we see how he rebounded his second year, ultimately becoming a top two freaking NFL draft pick. Yeah. So if anybody would have said C.J. is going to be a top two NFL draft pick after his first year or through his first half of his first year, you'd have been, you'd have been BSing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, you know, writing Kyle off and good luck to him wherever he finds his new home. But I think, you know, they were missing sometimes the experience that can help them with uh, yeah. a few edges, even though they only they still went 11 and one. Yeah. Um, but I would love to see that position replaced by a guy with experience. Yeah, it, it's when I look at the portal QBs right now, Cam Ward's the guy that makes, like you said, make, just makes a ton yeah. of sense. He, he's the guy that – I don't really know who else makes sense, to be honest with you. I'm like yeah, – I, I, I look I at the portal, I'm like, it's got to be Cam Ward, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I know yeah. DJU is back in the portal. Yeah. I don't think he's the answer um, for this offense or, you know, this style of play. Um I would have to go with Cameron Ward. I don't even know any other names. I think the Texas quarterback, the, I can't remember his name. Jesus Christ, I'm just like having brain farts all over the place. The, 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 the guy not, from – Not Arch Manny, the other one. Quinn Ewers? No, not Quinn. What is, what's the kid? He played in the spring game in some mop-up duty. He got dreadlocks. The um, Jesus, what's his name? The, the, well, the, the one other guy I thought maybe could make sense is Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma. Um, yeah, but I, I feel like they want someone more dynamic that like can run, yeah. you know, be a little more, a little more athletic, probably, you know, to fit what 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 Ryan Day wants to do. 
Yeah, of course, because like Ryan isn't like he's not your traditional drop. But I mean, like read zone type of stuff. Yeah. But I mean, you look at the success Ohio State had against Georgia. Yeah. And I said this, you know, a few weeks back, I think I, I thought Alabama was going to beat Georgia in the SEC championship because yeah. they have the formula to beat them. And I think the formula to beat Georgia is having a mobile quarterback. Yeah. You see what CJ was able to do to them the previous year, even though Georgia ended up getting the win. But he was most dynamic when he was extending plays or when he touched it. Right. Yeah. So I'm not saying you need a quarterback that goes zone read and is going to design quarterback yeah. runs, but you need to give that defense that fear of saying, hey, well, that's great if we got everybody covered downfield, but yeah. holy crap, what about Make the quarterback? A Make a play. So yeah. they're missing they're missing yeah. that dynamic right now, I think, and they, I don't think they view that in Kyle yeah. um, at all. But I think, like you said before, Cameron Ward, it would be the no-brainer yeah. option for Ohio State to do whatever it takes to get them here. It, it, as far as, you know, I know losing to Michigan a few years in a row, obviously Ohio, Ohio State fans aren't going to be happy. And, uh, you know, Ryan Day has had so much success there in, in that program um, and has, has won so many games and, and has such a consistent product on the field but has struggled in that big game. Uh same thing with like with Penn State, like similar different levels a little bit, but same with Penn State. Yeah. Penn State's been really, really good with James Franklin, and they've been consistently top ten team in the country. But they can't beat Penn, they can't beat Ohio State and Michigan. They win, they blow every other team out. They just can't play well against those two teams. Yeah. I, what What do you think Ryan Day's? Uh, you know, I don't want to say what his future looks like because I think some of that talk is like, you know, that the hot seat talk can be a little rah-rah sometimes. But at some yeah. point, like Ohio State fans want you to beat Michigan. I guess what, what's your take on the state of the program, how fans feel about Ryan Day, and, uh, you know, if, if he can get, be the guy to get him over the hump? You know, this I, I do think he is the guy, can be the guy to get them over that hump. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been on staffs that beat Michigan before. Um, I know everybody always say, okay, well, those all the urban recruits are officially gone, so you got to do mm-hmm. it with your own guys. So they want to, they don't want to give them credit for that. Yeah. But I, I think his future is safe, um, in my opinion, because like what you just said, Adam, like you know, you look at his record versus everyone else, especially he never lost a Big Ten team um, outside of Michigan. Yeah. Um, and then he has a great record in, in bowl <laughs> games, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, his he continue to get great recruits, continue to develop guys. Um, but our fan base, you know, and what really ultimately you look at the history of the coaches here outside of Urban and, and Trussell stepping down, that's what really keeps you this job yeah. and keeps you relevant um, past your coaching careers is your record versus, you know, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we have a situation next year in the Big Ten and in college football playoffs where Ohio State and Michigan played three times, three times, two times in a row, two yeah. weeks in a row. So I would imagine if – God forbid, Jesus, please, God forbid, if Ohio State plays them three times next year and lose all three, yeah. which the final one will be in the playoffs, and then that'll be, you know, they can go into week 12, that game can mean nothing because both of them can be one and two mm-hmm. and playing in the Big Ten championship game the following week. So is this job in the hot seat or is how much pressure he's under knowing that he's going to see this team the following week? So it takes. I think it's going to take a little bit away from that 12th game, that rivalry. Yeah. And then let's not talk about the playoffs. Find a way to match up if it's in the first, second, whatever round it is before the national title or the national title yeah. and not winning that game. I think those then, those questions are more relevant than now. I mean, yeah. he's still very young in his coaching career. He's still going through growing pains in his coaching career on top of the dynamic of NIL and the transfer yeah. portal and stuff like that. So I think he has a little bit more leeway than a lot of people think and expect. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like I said before, he's still one of the best coaches in the country and, you know, a top five, top, well, top two, three coaches in the Big Ten. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I, I feel the same way. Um, uh, last couple of things, man. I appreciate all your time. I, uh, I, I know you get asked about this a lot, but I, I just, I, I got to hear your take on it. And I, I was trying to find you talk about it somewhere and I can't. Your, your famous tweet, the I, I ain't come here to play no school tweet. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I was, you know, I, I saw a little bit of like an article and you were talking about it, like how you know, I think you tweeted, like, can't believe I said something this stupid back in the day. But like, it's yeah. an iconic tweet, like absolutely iconic. Everyone in the country knows about it. Um, yeah. It said constantly. I, give us the backstory on the I ain't come here. We ain't come here to play no school tweet. Um, I mean, the backstory of why I tweeted, I was boiled down to I was disappointed. I just got my – we was on quarters, like I said before, yeah. and I just got back. And I, and you was in school on quarters, right? Were you guys in – did you guys have no, quarters? No, we, no we, we, we did like the two semesters. 
Oh, you guys are always okay. Yeah. So we were transitioning to semesters, mm-hmm. quarters. It happens so fast. Like first week and a half of classes, you got a you got a midterm like the following week. Yeah. So it was happening so fast. I remember just putting all the time, effort, and energy into studying for this midterm, and I didn't get the grade I wanted. But still, a high grade. I didn't get the grade I wanted, and I was bummed out because it was right during the time I had to apply for a major. Yeah. And I knew I needed a A in this course. And if I didn't get a A on this midterm, it was going to be tough. I had to get a damn near perfect score on the final to get an A in the <laughs> course. So I had it all figured out. And it was my last grade that was going to help me apply for uh, uh, my major. I needed a certain GPA. And I was just pissed. And um, I tweeted that, you know, coming out that class. And I was just like, you know, it made me put things in perspective. And I think, honestly the way that things are handled now, that tweet is a reality. Yeah. You know, if so you true. really think about it, when you when you think about the portal, when you think about NIL, um, these, these guys are going to schools for, you know, where they can capitalize on the NIL the most. So they're not talking about the education. Yeah. You know, and then, like, my argument is always this. You know, when those coaches come recruit you, yeah, education is inferred, but it's not installed. Yeah. It's not like, hey – come to Ohio State because we got a great engineering program. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, it's like, it's like, like check, the check the box with it, but that's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the littlest thing that we hear in the recruiting, and that's not just from Ohio State, but all coaches around yeah. the country, is the only time you hear about the academic part of things is on your visit for 30 minutes, and then you go back to the facilities and how much you're going to eat and yeah. the gear you're going to wear and all this other stuff. Yeah. So, and then another thing on top of that, well, when you commit to a school, like these kids ain't saying, hey, I'm committing to uh, Fisher School of Business at Ohio State. I'm like, hey, I'm yeah. playing to Ohio State Buckeyes play football. Yeah. You know, so that mindset is already installed in the guys. And yeah. a lot of, I, took, I kid you not, a lot of guys are shell-shocked when they understand, that, yes, you have to go to class and maintain <laughs> a certain GPA. You know, they're like, yeah. what? I know nothing about this. But, um, yeah, I mean, clearly it was a dumb mistake. Um, you know, I wish I can take it back or say it in a very – uh, a better way to get my message across and get my feelings across at that time. But, you know, it's it's pretty cool to see that in the textbook of what not to do on social media. <laughs> did, <laughs> did, did you get a call from Urban Meyer right after you tweeted that? Oh, my God. I got – oh, my God. I got scolded by Coach Meyer. I mean, everybody <laughs> you can think of. You know, and it was so funny because my academic um, advisor at the time, a guy named Pierre – um, he was trying to cover for me and I didn't pick on to it. So I was getting all these missed calls because it went viral. And I and I make the argument today. I'm like, I blew up Twitter. Yeah. Because Twitter was did. still so new. <laughs> so I'm like literally like so I remember that following night and then that following day in the morning, like that tweet was on like Good Morning America. Yeah. That tweet was on ESPN. It was everywhere, Fox everywhere. Yeah. And I remember Anchor was like, Yeah. Uh, college athlete, college student athlete at Ohio State, Cardell Jones, took his thoughts to Twitter. Like she didn't know how to say Twitter, and, and tweeted out, and tweeted out. Like it, Twitter was still so new, yeah. and they was like, "Yeah, if you don't know what Twitter, is, Twitter is a social network site where you can use up to 130 characters to engage with people. Like, like it was like was like she had to te- tell people what Twitter was. Yeah, and um. But going to the part where I got scolded, but Pierre tried to cover for me, and I, they was like, hey, just come over to the facility. I'm like, hey, I got another class. Like, no, don't worry about it. Come over to the facility right now. So I walk into Coach Meyer's office. It's Coach Meyer. It's my office coordinator. It's uh, Gene Smith. It's uh, and the president of the school. Wow. And I kid you not, I'm thinking they about to tell me, we're getting ready to play Nebraska. I'm thinking they about to tell me I'm about to get ready to start. <laughs> it's all these heavy hitters. <laughs> It's all these heavy hitters in the office. I'm like, oh, this I'm about to start. <laughs> so I'm like, they're about to tell me, like, hey, it starts today. Like, let's yeah. do this. I think they about to give me the pep talk. Yeah, we're going to start you and blah, blah, blah. And Pierre, so I walk in the room, Pierre's in front and all those guys behind him. Uh-huh. So Pierre is looking at me like, hey, Cardell, like I told them, you know, you just broke up with your girlfriend and. You know, she hacked your phone and she tweeted that stuff out earlier today. You didn't do that. So I look at Pierre. I said, hey, no, no, that was me. I tweeted that. <laughs> so Pierre was looking at me like this. You're a moron. <laughs> and I didn't catch on. I didn't catch on. And he must have been trying to cover my butt to them before I got there. Yeah. And, like, I just was like, I remember leaving, like, there. And the coaches was like, they just ripped me. And I just remember leaving, feeling so bad for Pierre. I'm like, man, he probably about to get fired because he's probably lying for me. Yeah. You know, but, you know, try to try to like 
soften that, you know, a whooping I got from the coaches and stuff. But I, I legit thought they're about to tell me we're starting. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, that, that thing's iconic, man. It's on t-shirts. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's uh, so many <laughs> kids around graduation time in high school. I kid you not. And in college. So usually in the summer, it's so many kids that use that for their senior t- uh, quotes and tag me on social media every it. year. <laughs> Black I love like it. I love it. <laughs> the, the, the legend lives on forever. Um, so I, I, I want to ask you because I talk a lot on this podcast with people about overcoming adversity and overcoming tough moments um, in your career. And so I want to ask you, like in in your playing career or even you know post playing career, what do you think's been your toughest moment and and how how'd you overcome it? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question. I think when you talk about adversity, I think. Um, we all face adversity in every aspect of our lives. But I think really the toughest one in my career, outside of my personal life, it had to be um, being benched in 15 and going through what I went through in 15. You know, in 14, I was in a similar situation where, you know, when Braxton got hurt in camp, the coaches, quote unquote, had a QB battle between me and JT, which I never knew it, the battle opened back up because the previous spring I won the backup job. Yeah. You know, I, you know, according to them and, you know, 15, whatever, he become the starter. And, you know, I remember going through the first four or five weeks and I talking to my coach and I was like, hey, you know what? You know, I think I'm a transfer after this year because you guys are giving me a lot of praise, how well I'm doing and all this other stuff. But he's playing really good. He's younger than me. Look, I've never had an opportunity here. And I do think this is not me being selfish. I'm not saying I'm better than anyone, but I do want to have an opportunity to play somewhere. And we, you know, we said we reconnect with those conversations after the season. And one thing that stuck out to me, what Coach Herman said to me was that when you have a quarterback in the season, you want to make him feel like he's the guy no matter what. Like he'll win, lose, or draw with this yeah. guy. And I respected that and I understood that. And I accepted my role at that point as the backup going into in, in the middle of the 2014 season. So I'm like, okay, cool. But up until that time, they just keep telling them, stay ready, stay ready. You're doing great. Oh, we're going to get you in. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Trying to create packages and all this other stuff. But it just never happened, you know. So it was really discouraging. And then I finally had a chance to play due to injury. Then going into the 15 season, you know, I was named the starter, I guess, by default. I don't know. I mean, like I tell my coach, I never felt like I was a starter ever, you know, there uh, with JT and these guys were healthy. Cause I wasn't this recruit. You know, I didn't walk the straight and narrow. I wasn't. Yes, sir. No, sir. Blah, blah, blah. Like I wasn't that guy, which Urban Meyer wanted at that position. And outside of, like I said, being JT's, uh, JT was his recruit. And so I was always on a short leash and everything I was told the previous year about if you're the starter, we don't want to battle throughout the season, all this other stuff. It was the roles was completely flipped when I was, quote unquote, the starter. So I just feel like they never wanted me. You know, so I think dealing with that adversity and finally being benched, it was actually after we played you guys, um, we wore all black at 15. And, um, you know, I think I was benched like the second drive of the game or something like that. And, you know, the coaches bring me in the next morning and tell me that, oh, well, hey, we're going to go with JC. I said, dude, save it. I'm like, save the shit. I said, I knew that's what you wanted to do. I said, I'm good. I said, now I rather I set my role or whatever the role is instead of you telling me it's something. And then you're not living up to it. Yeah. Like you're telling me I'm the starter, but you're treating me like a redheaded stepchild. Yeah. So I walk right up to me like, oh, perfect. I'm good. See y'all later. You don't have to try to dumb it down to me. I knew you didn't want me to be the starter anyway. Yeah. For whatever Same reason. Yeah. You know, and I knew like, and then JT, you know, having conversations with him because me and him after games, we talk to each other like, dude, we suck. Like me and you suck. And it sucks when, you know, we go three and out. And I'm already warm or JT's already warming up yeah. or it sucks when JT don't get it done. And I, he got me back in the game. So it was never getting in rhythm. So all of that stuff, I think, played into our downfall in 15. And then ultimately, you know, when JT became the starter, the full time starter, they named him the full time starter. He gone and had the best game of his career yeah. because he know he's the guy. He don't have to look over his shoulder. And I think that was another thing that really bothered me through that process when Coach Meyer and me and him talked about this as well. Coach Meyer tried to play my feeling against me as if I wasn't competitive enough. Where like, oh, you don't think at the next level they always looking over their shoulder? No, they're not. Yeah. If, if the, you think Tom Brady's looking over his shoulder, waiting on his backup to get in, yeah. or they're going to have the backup warming up if he go three and out, 
Like, no, they don't work like that. Like, this is our guy, right? The starters ain't getting pulled unless they're doing something really, really bad. It's not like, oh, let's play this guy. Let's play this guy. Hey, when we cross the 50, this guy is going to play. It don't work like that. So that's what really rubbed me the wrong way. And I think dealing with that adversity and then really trying to overcome that and accept a new role on a team. And then clearly when that happens of someone getting benched, especially at a quarterback position, you got to deal with the media, you got to deal with social media, you got to deal with it all. So I think that was the biggest adversity I overcame throughout my career. Right, last thing I want to ask you about was, is your book. You came out with a book. Um, just tell, tell, tell me why, uh, you know, why you decided to write a book and, and the kind of motivation behind it and obviously plug it and tell everyone where to get it. Yeah, so um, it's, it's on Amazon and then and Barnes and Noble here in Ohio, um, but the best place clearly is Amazon. But I think what really motivated me to to write the book, you know, it was during the COVID time, had so much free time. It was my first full season out of ball because XFL just ended early because of COVID and things like that, and um, it was very kind of smoothing to just get it all out. I originally yeah. started writing it. Just about my time at Ohio State, it was just up and down, emotional roller coaster. A lot of stories that you know people don't know clearly because you, know, you try to keep all the things tight niche, especially some of the things that's going on in a program that yeah. deals with other players and, and coaches. Um, but I knew my experience would, and talk about some of the things that and, and how I got through and would help the next person, right? And yeah. you know this being, you know, he was like. Jesus Christ, you're like the number one or number two tight end in your class. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you're a top guy. Yeah. So it's it's not it's only one number tight end. It's yeah. only one number one tight end each year. Yeah. Right, it's only one top guy each year. So my career is going to be more relatable to the guys who's had to just make it through the recruiting process by the skin of their teeth yeah. and starting from the bottom and then just go into a campus being a freshman starter, freshman All-American, having all this success. It's the real ups and downs. And don't get me wrong, everybody go through the ups and downs, but it's more stories that's related to mine than yours. Yeah. I would like to argue of being a top guy, right, in, in a class and things like that. So some of the things I was able to go through and get through, I felt would help telling my story to help the next person who's facing similar situations. So yeah. that was really my motivation of writing. And I had so much time on my hand because, like I said, it's my first fall out of football yeah. because of covid and I'm glad I did. It's been great getting some uh, great feedback, uh, some cool opportunities of speaking to teams and, and groups of people about it and just share different stories um, where it is, it is pretty cool to see and giving people a, a small insight on my life and how I grew up as well. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, it's uh, you, you sent me the book. I'm, I, I appreciate you sending it over. It's it's, it's awesome. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you did it. I'm sure a lot of young players too and, and fans are kind of getting an insight into you know the world of a big time quarterback and your your career and your and your time off the field now too so um i appreciate all your time man this has been cool I, like i said i've been wanting to have you on for a while um i feel like it was good timing and got to talk a little bit about your career but also you know college football and the playoff in ohio state uh but yeah. but really man it's been awesome to, to watch your your career on the field and then also like you know how you've grown off of it and and what you're doing now and um excited to see you continue to grow on the media side with you know with cbs and doing all that stuff and and uh yeah I'm, I'm, it was it was awesome having you on man 